Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke. And we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. Well, we've got some awesome news coming from CVEN, don't we, Brooke? We sure do. As you may already know, our annual user conference, CVEN Connect, is all about bringing people together for incredible live experiences. But even though we're not meeting in person this summer, Cvent believes in the power of live. So we're excited to announce Cvent Connect Virtual. That's right. This two-day event taking place August 25th through the 26th will give you the opportunity to hear directly from industry leaders, such as Cvent CEO and founder Reggie Agarwal, and attend any of our 28 live breakout sessions discussing everything from virtual and hybrid events to safety and security to event marketing and program strategy for when in-person events resume. We'll also be hosting virtual meetups and appointments with both CVent and some of our industry partners. And Cody, you want to know what the best part is? What? It's all at no cost to event and hospitality professionals. What? Free? That's amazing. I can't wait for the entire meetings and events community to come together. Make sure to secure your spot today by registering at cvent.com podcast and click on the CVent Connect banner. I cannot wait. Cvent Connect Virtual is coming to everyone this August 25th through 26th. That's cvent.com slash podcast and click on the Cvent Connect banner to register for free today. Today we have Layla and Caroline with Visit Britain to talk to us about how the UK is preparing to return to normal and safely welcome back visitors and events. That's right. They came with a wealth of knowledge and some really creative ideas that UK's restaurants and bars have to help ensure social distancing. I really enjoyed hearing about these new approaches. That's right. Let's get to the interview with Layla and Caroline. All right, Layla and Caroline, thank you so much for joining the podcast. But before we get started, could you each tell us a little bit about what you do at Visit Britain? Just a snapshot of your role, if you will. And Layla, how about we start off with you? Yes, thanks, Cody. Well, first off, I want to thank you and Brooke for welcoming us here today on this event podcast. I personally want to say that I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's really nice to be here um, and to have the opportunity to chat with you. So thanks again. Um, to oh. our listeners, we wanted to say a hello and welcome. And I'm Leila Heller, uh, Director of Meetings and Incentives at Visit Britain. I cover the North American market, so U.S. and Canada specifically. And uh, basically, I work together closely with our business events team in London. My role is really to promote the UK and Northern Ireland as leading meetings and incentives destinations throughout North America. Um, so that's really my main role. I would say in terms of the market, um, my clients, our clients, the clients that we service really are corporations, incentive houses, and associations. So really a variety in terms of the types of clients that we we do service. Um, and one very important point that I wanted, Carolyn and I both wanted to point it out um, on this podcast is that as a CVB, we're a neutral and unbiased source of information for our market. So our goal is to really connect to the end client um, and really connect them with the right destination that's good for them and their needs, the right DMCs, the local companies in the UK that would be the perfect match for their particular requests. So this is sometimes helpful for, for the audience or listeners to really know uh, that about us. But I'm also joined here by my colleague Caroline and I'll let her introduce herself as well. 
Well, hi there, Cody and, and Brooke. And um, no, it's just like I'm going to join uh, Leila with saying thank you very much for inviting us today. And I'm online with you from Paris in France, and um, I'm working from home. But uh, I sadly don't have a view of the Eiffel Tower, but I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a garden to overlook um, today. And like Leila, um, my job um, out here in Europe is promoting England, Scotland and Wales um, as the very best possible places to bring um, meetings, incentive and events. So um, Leila and I do the same um, from opposite sides of the ocean. Um, and I suppose maybe my background, I, well, um, I joined the team about three years ago um, and after working for another tourist board, um, you might guess which one from my accent maybe, uh, but I also worked for a leading destination management company and ran my own travel marketing consultancy for about seven years. So um, I have good experience in the field and work really closely with um, all of the um, incentive houses out here in Europe or association organizations, etc. It's so great to have both you, Caroline and Leila, on the, on the um, podcast today. So thank you so much for joining. And Caroline, don't worry, I also do not have a view of the Eiffel Tower. So you're <laughs> <laughs> in good company here. You know, I, I know it's a little bit of a strange time we're in right now. You know, it's, it, we're experiencing something that's really unprecedented. Um, but I, you guys have this interesting perspective that I really want to dig into when it comes to how this is going to impact the industry in the UK, both in the short term and the long term. Like the rest of the world, the UK has been significantly impacted by COVID-19, um, which is needless to say, right? We, we're all aware of what's going on. But having said that, we've been incredibly impressed by how resilient and agile the sector has actually been during the pandemic. I think you and the listeners have likely already seen this coverage in the news, but it's still worth noting that many of our convention centers across the UK, just a few examples that come to mind, Excel London, NEC Birmingham, uh, SEC Glasgow, and Manchester Central, but there are more. They have supported the NHS, the National Health Services, fight against COVID-19 by really transforming their spaces into fully functioning hospitals. So that was the first thing that we saw really transforming the industry once COVID had hit. Um, and in addition to this, we also saw many event contractors who also helped build the required medical facilities in record time. And this was also something that made us really proud to see in the UK. We've also seen countless of examples of event caterers and hotels that helped feed and provide accommodation for busy healthcare workers, um, other companies that really offered their support in any way, no matter what the company was. An example that comes to mind is the leading car manufacturer, Land Rover, which offered over 100 vehicles uh, to be used by the British Red Cross during this time. There were also a number of distilleries that uh, instead of producing gin, they produced hand sanitizer during the pandemic. And we saw that here in the States as well. So it's just all these examples. Um, you know, nonprofit organizations. There's one that's called Open Kitchen Manchester. They provided over 11,000 meals to those in need during the pandemic, uh, using all these ingredients that would have other gone, otherwise gone to waste. So these are all really incredibly heartwarming stories and examples of resiliency. Um, and 
in our greater industry and really across all industries in the UK. Um, and in addition to also that kind of sacrifice that we've seen and that kind of resilience, we've also seen our destinations and suppliers quickly change their way of doing things. Um, they've adapted to the needs of the current situation by, for example, offering virtual site visits, which I know all the listeners are really familiar with. Um, from our side at Visit Britain, we're also encouraging the market to explore virtual discoveries via our website, eventsaregreat.com. And um, their listeners can really go on virtual tours of convention centers and venues. They can cook special UK recipes at home. And this includes baking recipes. Now, I myself am not a baker at all. I'm not a chef, but rest assured that for those listening in who are more mixologists than chef, there are also a few specialty cocktail recipes that feature the famous Brighton Gin, for example. So there are nice virtual activities, a good way to connect um, to the destination and have a true authentic UK experience without actually being able to be there in person at this particular moment. Um, I should also mention, and Kayla and I were speaking about this before, that the UK is slowly beginning to lift restrictions. We're of course following that closely. In the short term, the industry is going to be, like many other destinations, focused on domestic business. But the positive here is that we are still receiving requests, believe it or not, for longer term international business. Um, and that's one of the also blessings, so to speak, of our industry is that the business is really long term. So those relationships aren't going anywhere just because right now we can't be there physically. Um, and I, I wanted to make a last point on here, and, and that's um, there's been a lot of talk of potential air bridges, which would allow for smoother travel between two countries, between the UK and another country, with potentially a lower um, number of COVID-19 infections. But these air bridges would work both ways, so people could travel to and from the designated countries without having to quarantine on arrival. Now, having said that, as of right now, it hasn't been confirmed that when that would potentially take place or which destinations would be on that list. But the projection in the industry is that it's generally going to start in the UK with European countries initially. So watch this space. As we learn more, we're also gonna update our website and we can always be in touch with anyone who has questions, but that's another interesting thing to follow and see how that's gonna develop with the air bridges. Yeah, that's such a great idea. And I know that um, Australia and New Zealand are exploring the idea of having an air bridge. And I think everybody's going to be watching that to see how that unfolds. And I, I really hope that the same kind of yeah. um, like luck happens for, for the UK. I, I really hope that Brooke and I can come over to the UK again soon. We, we did before we visited our C-Vent office in London, and it is like the, the best time that we've ever had. How, how can we ensure, though, that the rest of the world knows that the UK will be open for business while also ensuring the safety of guests. I mean, what precautions is the UK taking? Well, um, you know, Cody and Brooke, approximately 1,500,000 people visit the UK each year alone just for business events. And the US is our top market for both visits and spend, um, followed then by France and Germany. So all in all, it's like a very, very important part of UK, UK economy. And now, just last week, we launched the new industry standard for tourism and events businesses. And we've given it a great name. Um, it's called We're Good to Go. 
And um, this standard and supporting label that goes with it essentially means that businesses across the sector can demonstrate that they are adhering to the government and public health guidelines and have carried out a COVID-19 risk assessment and check that they have the required processes in place. Um, the scheme we've created is free to join um, and open to all businesses across the sector. So if you know, whether you be a destination management company, a hotel or a conference venue, you can join. And um, so you're kind of probably going to say, well, how do you get this label, Caroline? But um, in order to receive the label, um, businesses have to complete a self-assessment through an online platform called um, goodtogouk.co.uk. And um, on the site, it includes a checklist confirming that they have put the necessary processes in place before then receiving the cert and the would good, were good to go label for perhaps display in their premises, you know, for the hotel or a venue, et cetera, or for their use online. And um, so, you know, that label has been extremely well received and the cert, um, we believe that it will provide planners, um, you know, all over the world with the confidence that the event sector in the UK is preparing to safely welcome events back soon, taking all the necessary precautions. It's our objective is confidence. That's great to hear. Yeah, really making it easy for everyone to open safely and everybody let everybody know that it's, it's ready to welcome people back into the businesses. Exactly. Um, so that's a really, really great way to do that. And I know, you know, Layla, you guys did a couple of virtual events in June and Cody and I are just dying to hear about how those went. And I feel like every time we do a virtual event these days, we learn something because we're kind of, you know, planning without a ton of experience. So anything, any key takeaways that you had from these events that you, you um, had in June? Definitely. Thanks for this question, Brooke. Yeah, like you said, there's so many learning uh, learnings that really come out of these virtual events. It's unbelievable, actually. I think we we would totally approach things um, in a in a different way, but also some we could take away from the positive as well. So I'll just share with you what we experienced. And like many others in the industry, um, as you know, we had to cancel our flagship event, Meet GB, which was meant to be actually taking place in Wales this past April. We were so excited for it. It was the planning was almost completely done. But unfortunately, because of the situation, we weren't able to actually have it in Wales. So the current situation, on the other hand, offered us the opportunity to try something new and try something different. So over the past uh, few, we few weeks, really it's been two weeks now, uh, we delivered Meet GB Virtual, which went incredibly well. Um, we had two days of trade show, one day for the North American market, so my market, and then one day for Caroline's market, the European market. And it was a unique situation because virtual events were actually new to all of us on the team. Um, and we were 
really nervous about it at first. We had our hesitations and fears just like any organization right now would. Um, but ultimately we made that decision to go for it and to offer this to our suppliers and destinations alike so that they can connect with buyers, even if there's um, a conversation simply to be had and to con simply connect because right now we can't fly over and be there. We can't go on a sales mission or host a group on a fam trip. This was really the perfect solution and the perfect plan B, so to speak, to, um, to connect those buyers and, um, and with our suppliers. And, and also I should point out that we did this in such a short amount of time, which added to the worries, so to speak, pre-event. But at the end of the day, the result was that we had 300 planners who attended across the two days of Meet GB Virtual. We intended for it to be a more intimate type of event where buyers could meet suppliers through one-on-one -on -one video calls. And then there was also the chat, live chat option as well, like we see in many virtual events. Um, overall though, the planners connected with over 60 UK businesses via Zoom meetings and live chat. So that was really positive for us to see um, those connections being made. One of the things that we noticed is that um, a great benefit for our attendees that, that has been appreciated, we've received, both Carolyn and I, and I have received this feedback, is that we have the platform open for 30 days after the event. And this has been really helpful because those attendees who for some reason, they weren't able to meet with all the suppliers they wanted to, or have all of those conversations that they wanted to, now they can still from the ease of their you know office home office just log in and have the same access to those videos and uh, brochures and whatever information contact information of those suppliers that they wanted to meet or for whatever chance for whatever reason they weren't able to so that was a positive we found to keep that platform open whereas on a live show you have the business cards that you have but it's sometimes hard to get back in there and, and redo that experience um, We've definitely identified things that we would do differently um, and we could really go on on so many things that we've learned, but ultimately we're really happy to say that we were one of the first CVBs to deliver such a virtual exhibition for the meetings industry during COVID-19 and to be able to do that for both of our respective markets, taking into consideration the time zones and everything like that for North America and for Europe is something that we're really proud of. Um, in terms of learnings, I would say the first thing that I would recommend to anyone listening right now and considering doing their virtual event is think clearly about the goal of your event. For us, the goal for Meet GB Virtual was education. It was a purely, purely meant to be an educational event. Um, we wanted to offer event and meeting planners a place to brush up on their UK product knowledge with zero strings attached. So in other words, they don't need to have time to fly to the UK. They don't need to invest in anything. All they need to do is log in and connect with these experts who really can't wait to tell them more about their destinations. Um, so I think once you know the goal of your event, then it'll be clear which format you wanna follow and how you, what you'd like to include and what not to include. Um, and also include breaks. That would be another thing that we learned we did include breaks, but I would say be thoughtful about the breaks that you include and how long those breaks are, whether it's thought breaks, meditation breaks, um, lunch breaks, you know, all those things. Even though it's a virtual show, sometimes I've attended virtual events where those breaks aren't really considered as much because they think, well, everyone's at home. They can just do 
whatever they want and plan their time. But it's nice to have that designated break time. Um, and then the other thing that we found was a really positive about the virtual event is the ability to really follow the buyer location on the trade show floor and know exactly where the buyer is. So it sounds a little bit big brother, but ultimately you can find out, okay, the buyer, this buyer right now is watching the welcome video or they're meeting with XYZ destination partner or they're in the networking lounge. And you can actually follow how much time they spend in each area. So you really see the interest there. And I wonder why there was 20 minutes um, they spent on XYZ brand or um, booth. So that's in important information, I think, in the kind of intel that at a live event, although I could glance up and maybe notice that a client is speaking to a supplier uh, and think to myself, okay, that's interesting. Like that's good that they're having that conversation, but now you actually have that data to show you what the interest is and, and actually show you where you can be of help. In our case, as a CVB, um, we want to know how we can help. So that's, a, that's another positive, I would say. Um, one of the interesting things that I wanted to share also is one of our, one of our part partners really shared with us that they would describe the show as a silent disco. And I wanted to share this because it's interesting because silent disco in the sense that you're doing all this activity and having all these chats and conversations, but you're really in your own living room, home office, anywhere you are. And it's it, in that sense, it's interesting because you're by yourself, but you're connected with all these people. So um, I thought that was an interesting thing. And in the future, we do want to look at different ways to incorporate sound in events. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting thing to follow in our industry, how to create emotion and tell stories by, by using sound. And I'm actually curious to see how Cvent Connect does this because you guys are so great with your events, with your live events. And it's just interesting to see how that's gonna happen. Um, that whole experience is gonna come uh, alive for lack of a better word in that virtual space. So we're looking forward to following that as well. But those are just a few of the takeaways. There are many more I could go on and on. I think these wow. are great. First of all, congratulations on getting an event out the door so quickly. Um, I think it, it really is a testament to, you know, how well your team works together and just really thinking about your audience, including sound. It's like, it's almost like one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, that's obvious. But when you actually sit down and think about producing event, it isn't necessarily the first thing you think about. So I think it's really interesting that you bring that up and it, it is gonna be um, really cool to see how other events approach that. Yeah, and I love how you guys talked about um, what I hear a common theme, figure out what the goal of your event is and then you can tailor your virtual experience to really meet those goals. I like what you said too about uh, really concentrating on making sure you have breaks. I can't stress that enough. Like just because you're at home does not mean that you don't need that break. And, and thinking about a virtual event, almost like a production makes more sense. Almost like you're watching the Oscars on TV. They have breaks, you know, every, you know, the 10 minutes or so. So I really like that you, that you picked up on that. And then the one thing you also said too about data, I love that the, in the virtual environment, you get access to a lot more data that you may not have had access to in a live event. So you can really see how long people have been at certain booths. There are a lot of, there's a, some silver linings to having virtual events. And I'm glad that you guys discovered that. Love Definitely. virtual we events. We have to look at the positive, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that this is uh, kind of uh, alludes to the fact that we aren't 
going to get rid of virtual events. I think that the, the future is going to be hybrid events where you have a virtual aspect in addition to the in-person event. Um, and I know that we all love in-person events and we, we are kind of, you know, ready to reopen or like we really want to reopen. How is the UK looking to other countries in Europe with their reopening strategies for events? Yeah, the UK um, government is definitely monitoring, of course, um, other countries' policies um, for meetings and events. And, but it's also working really closely um, with the UK events industry, with national bodies such as um, the Business Visits and Events Partnership and the Events Industry Board um, to really make sure that the industry's needs are recognised and that the guidance is appropriate for the MICE sector. Um, and of course, we are very fortunate um, that the UK government has recognised the difference between a business event and a mass gathering in its guidance. Because as you know yourselves, they're not handled the same way at all. And a business event is easier to manage around social distancing, etc. So we're very pleased to have, um, you know, the government recognize this difference. Yeah, that is really nice. I mean, it, it is a quite a different experience. Cody and I have actually talked about this a little bit too. Like we want to go out with our friends, but things like when there's alcohol involved, the, you know, maybe that makes it a little bit more difficult to stay socially distanced. You know, a, a business event is quite different. So it, it's great that there's that distinction. And of course, we know on the other side of the coin, we have our planners, but also the hoteliers and the hospitality industry has been severely impacted as well. I thought I saw something in the news the other day about, you know, some um, hotels will actually have like a seal on the door to your hotel room so you know that it's been cleaned and you know you you know that it, it is safe um, and what other ways are you seeing that the hospitality industry is starting to recover yeah that's a really good question Brooke we're seeing this in um, multiple ways just like I'm sure we all of us here on this podcast are our end listeners as well. Um, one of the things that we definitely wanted to share is that the UK hospitality industry is planning on reopening on the 4th of July, which is good news and a positive step for the industry that we wanted to share. Um, and of course, it's going to be a step-by-step -step process, so we're very much aware of that. And uh, we are following the government guidelines on a daily basis as the situation is evolving. Um, but during the pandemic, we've also seen some great agility from hospitality industry as, as we see hotels, restaurants, and bars quickly try to adapt their business to providing new and safe experiences for guests, but with some British tongue-in-cheek humor, dare I say. So I'll give a few examples. Uh, there's the St. Moritz Hotel in Cornwall. It's in the southwest of England, and they announced that they're going to open a socially distanced hotel restaurant but the catch is they're calling it the anti-social club. So the new dining concept is gonna be 16 private dining rooms and they're gonna dine up to 96 guests at a time. So the key is that the guests are being reassured that they're safe while dining, but they're also having a laugh at the entire concept of being anti-social during these times because we don't really have a choice, do we? So that's uh, the kind of tongue-in-cheek humor that we're seeing. A few other examples of these are the popular London bar, Mr. Fogg's, uh, and also another uh, speakeasy, Cahoots, which have come up with 
inventive and immersive solutions to, to this. And I'll tell you, for example, at Mr. Fogg's, they're gonna be placing Victorian dressed mannequins throughout the bar to fill up some space as a quirky, fun way to help with social distancing, uh, whereas otherwise the bar would be too packed to be, um, to be following the, the guidelines and restrictions and everything like that. So uh, they may also have staff wearing beekeeping protective head veils as a personal protective equipment option to make sure that the protocol is being followed as well. Uh, and then just another example is at a legendary speakeasy, it's called Cahoots. The bartenders are gonna be wearing theatrical masks as their PPE of choice. So, so many interesting and playful social distancing solutions that make that, those experiences at restaurants and bars even more immersive. Um, and talk about creativity. I mean, just sparking that sense of escapism and imagination during this time where we've all been at home. It's gonna be really interesting to see these ideas um, come out slowly but surely when the time is right. I think we could all use some of this sense of humor and lightheartedness as we prepare to slowly return when the time is right. So that's oh definitely God. something to look forward to. Um, today, we also received some very motivating news, I would say. Newcastle, our lovely city in north of England, uh, just announced really their plans to build a 260 million pound convention center. So uh, we don't know all the details as of yet, but these are the sorts of nuggets of positive news that we love to hear during this time and that really keeps us going. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I yeah. love that. That is a really good piece of good news. And I have to say, I had a smile on my face the whole time you were talking because those are such unique, creative ideas um, that some of these bars and restaurants are doing to make sure that everyone's socially distanced and safe, but you know, kind of in a fun way. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to personally go. Me too. I know those Victorian dress mannequins to kind of create space, <laughs> I think is such a yeah. great idea. Um, you guys are clearly are very plugged into everything that's happening. Um, so many great ideas and suggestions for our audience, but it is now time for us to ask the most difficult question, which is if you had to leave our audience with one takeaway or one piece of advice, what would that be? And Caroline, let's start with you. Um, well, I think my piece of advice would um, definitely to be to keep an open mind and to stay positive and you know that showed with having a virtual show we had an open mind when we brainstormed about this event so but the world is in a jittery place right now but eventually however i think things will get better and um, so most things will return to normal and those things that maybe will permanently change are all things that we will be able to adapt to you know like your virtual hybrid events etc and the business events world that we work in is always full of challenges. And I think we need to approach this one like we approach other challenges, even if this may be the largest yet. And Leila mentioned it earlier on about creativity. Um, we work in such a creative field and coming up with new ideas is part of what we do best. Is there anything you'd like to promote or share with our listeners? Yeah, for um, maybe for starters, <laughs> do please check out our website, which Leila also mentioned earlier on for the latest updates um, from the UK. It's the eventsaregreat.com site. Yes, eventsaregreat.com. That's right. And 
It's also where you can check out our virtual discoveries. So you can visit venues like, you know, Edinburgh ICC, Devon Convention Center, ICC Wales, Belfast, Birmingham. And I can go on to all of the um, wonderful conference centers that are available for virtual discoveries. And then I suppose if you're interested in the European market or if you need help um, and you're based in Europe, to contact me via my email address, um, which is caroline.feelin at visitbritain.org. Um, not to hesitate to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I would echo that. And definitely, we want to reassure everyone listening that the UK is working hard to safely welcome back events very soon. Uh, but in the meantime, like Caroline mentioned, please feel free to reach out to us. We're here as a resource for you. So feel free to contact us at any time. And my email, in case anyone needs it, is leila, L-E-I-L-A dot heller at visitbritain.org. Perfect. And for our listeners out there, we'll make sure to include uh, all of the event websites and also email addresses in the podcast description. So Thanks, Caroline Cody. and Leila, thank you again. Thank you so much thank for being on the so podcast. It's such a great episode. Thank you. Wow. What a great conversation with Leila and Caroline. It's so interesting to hear how their event went in June and some of those lessons learned, especially using music and taking breaks. Yeah, and I was really happy to hear that Visit Britain is providing so many great resources. We will be sure to include links in the show notes for you, our listeners. And to get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. And again, check out those show notes for a link to additional resources. And before you know it, we will have another great episode. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.